The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect writer, James Anderson. Going to be talking about the final installment, James, of your Ranking Dilemmas series. Also, recap the draft a little bit. We did a show uh, post-night one last week, and that was a good time. But i got to tell you, James, I caught a glimpse just the other day of our magazine cover for this year. Ronald Acuna, and I was thinking back to that day when we sent it off, how excited I was for the season, how excited I was for baseball. <clears throat> I remember at the time, you know, and we've said this many times, but just how how exciting the game was uh, given the, the talent, the young talent coming into the game. I thought it was a, the game was in a really good spot. I was excited, and man, it's been a 180 uh, to where I am now about the game. I'm, I'm yeah, man. Just, I'm just burnt out, James, on on this back and forth. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. I, we texted yesterday and everything, and talked about it. But um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I don't really want to talk about it anymore. I mean, you can yeah. see a bunch of good threads and stuff on Twitter and everything. And I think people know where we or... stand and everything. But yeah, I just I thought at this point we'd at least have a plan in place to talk about and you've been great with all the work you've provided and think you know stuff to talk about prospect analysis looking more long term but it's like a pin has been 
stuck in my excitement as a baseball fan, and uh, I just hope that um, things get get on the right track. Who knows if they will even be safe to play baseball uh, this year? But I just yeah, the constant back and forth just really kind of yeah deflated my excitement in the game, uh, especially considering where it was just five months ago. Seems like a lifetime ago. But, James, your latest uh, farm futures ranking dilemma is looking at prospects in the 353 to 400 range. So, really, you've been going through the list looking at guys who have been rising, falling, and really tough individual ranks on the top 400. Seems like most of the guys in this list are barely hanging on and are, are falling. I don't see a single up icon on this list of players. Well, I've been kind of using just a general sort of like 100 spot difference to sort of whether or not I give a guy a trending up or trending down. So for the, for these guys, you know, 353 and lower, they're just, it would be, I mean, you can't really be trending up a ton if I won't rank you higher than 353. Um, so, I mean, some of these guys have definitely, you know, went from non-ranked to ranked, but they're still on the back like eighth of the top 400 this uh this is the final installment in this series and so it's gonna go it's gonna kind of cover all of the non-2020 draftees who remain on the top 400 that i had not covered to date and last week we left off um with prospect number 300 gabriel moreno um so only 44 guys remaining on the list who were not uh, draftees after that that big update to that 400. So, I mean, for the guys that are big enough risers for me to give them that up arrow, they're probably going to be a little bit higher than this. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, a lot of guys that have been trending down for whatever reason, but I, I still think there are guys in this range that I, I might be too low on that I have uh, a promising outlook on. Very nice. So we'll start at the top. Uh, David Peterson, but then right behind him, Randy Rosarena. I'm still holding out a little bit of hope for Rosarena just because, well, you know, a little bit of speed, a little bit of power. Maybe he could be a intriguing fantasy guy with regular playing time. But it looks like maybe he's, especially in Tampa Bay, just going to be a platoon bat. And it seems like at least as long as he's in that organization, his upside is pretty well capped, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you can see that his uh, down arrow started um, – pretty steeply after that trade. I had actually been kind of coming around on him uh, and he was actually trending up before the trade. I was thinking that he might end up being one of the Cardinals three best outfielders at some point, but yeah, you can't really look at what he did in the minors and not think that the Cardinals or that the Rays are going to platoon him pretty severely and, and keep him in there almost exclusively against lefties so in daily moves leagues where you can use the short side platoon guys, like I know in our auto new league, I've been using Jordan Luplo a lot in that league because you can just plug him in there every time the Indians face a lefty. Uh, but that's not a viable strategy in uh, weekly leagues. And I do the rankings for weekly leagues. So I think a Rezarena is a very solid big league player, a guy that, a lot of teams would like to have in part because of his ability to crush lefties, but in part because of the defense he provides, I uh, can play all three outfield spots. But yeah, I mean, I just think that trade really, really hurts him. 
because the rays, as we've talked about ad nauseum, they just are not interested in really giving guys everyday playing time when there are clear platoons that they can form that are just going to get a little bit more production. And it's also a little concerning that after they traded for Razarena, they traded for Manny Margot, who kind of fits into the, like he's a more big league ready version of Randy Arrazarena. Um So, I mean, there's not, not only is he short side platoon, but he might even be kind of waiting for uh, one of those short side spots to open up. Yeah. When you're waiting on a short side platoon role, that's just not ideal, obviously in fantasy, Brian Mata on the list too. And, a name who's kind of been around for a little while now. I guess last year was only his third pro season. He's still only 21, but uh, he did get up to double A. Added a f- cutter to his repertoire last year, a fourth pitch. Uh, that helped him at at high A, but once he got to double uh, A, he hit some, some bumps in the road there. 11 starts, 5.03 RA. What do you think about Mata and his chances of panning out for the Red Sox? Yeah, he's just, you know, this is a range uh, where all the pitching prospects are going to have some sort of wart. Uh, you know, you're, you're a pitching prospect who's barely hanging out in the top 400. Not a, not a good place to be. With Mata, I can see a scenario where he becomes a number three starter. You know, he's, he's really good at generating weak contact. Uh, really, really high ground ball rates up up at like sixty six percent at high A in ten starts last year. So I mean he he's definitely a skilled pitcher. He's got a deep enough repertoire to be a starter. I'm worried about the command. Um, so I you know I, there are things to like, but he's just not a guy I'm in love with. And for a pitching prospect, that's just going to lead to you being down the list or off the list. Nice. And Mario Feliciano got even higher than Mata did. Mata got as high as 198. Mario Feliciano was at one point 186. That was at the end of last year. Now he's down to 362. So what's behind the drop for Mario Feliciano? Um, just a catcher uh, who... That's enough. You know, I, I, <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean, okay. just a catcher I'm not in. I mean, I like, but I'm yeah. not in love with. Nice. No, I was. I didn't mean to actually cut you. I was just, yeah. Catcher, catchers are so volatile, and uh, the offensive bar obviously not as high. But if, uh, if they can't hit in the minors, yeah, they they'll lose their appeal as a prospect pretty quickly. Uh, right, rhyme for Salinas. Not really a name I know much about, but he has been dropping as well, more than a hundred spots since the end of last year. What can you tell us about Salinas and why you've soured a little bit on him? He's he's got a lot of tools, but he hasn't really put them to together uh, in games. He's uh, had some moments, but I mean the approach has a ways to go. Um, he's just kind of a, a lottery ticket at this point. Um, yeah. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. 
If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Very nice. Um, so moving on here, James, uh, let's move on to Mike Ciani. That's a name I recognize. Uh, see, I'm trying to pick out names I actually recognize in this range. Not many of them, but Mike Ciani, a Reds outfielder. He was he went to the fourth round, but I remember at the time, back in what was that, 2018 draft, many considered him borderline first-round talent who fell due to signability concerns, but that seems like that was an incorrect assessment at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a glove-first outfielder. He's got plus speed. I don't really think he's I think he's like a bottom third of the order guy if it all works out so maybe like a Kevin Kiermeyer type of guy for fantasy uh, I just don't see the bat being much better than that um I mean if you we can we can talk quickly about the guys that I might be too high on or too low on uh, before moving on to the draft if you want sure I was also looking at Jairo Pomares uh 19 year old he's fallen quite a bit looks like he had a pretty pretty darn good year last year at least at one stop um I just was looking at him because, as you were talking, I was looking at his player page. He's fallen from 106 to 368. Yeah, I. it, it sort of became clear um, after reading um, some reports on, on what he looked like in the AZL that the bat might be good enough, but he's left field only, most likely, and... The approach was so awful, and it was a tiny sample in, in short season ball. But uh, seventeen to one strikeout to walk rate in fourteen games. So just you know, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to be super quick to the majors. And the fact that he's a left field only guy, I think I, I oversold the speed and, and his ability to maybe handle center field at the time, and um, probably got a little too overexcited about what he did in the AZL and he was you know it's not like he was a 17 year old in the AZL he was he was 18 he's gonna turn 20 in August so um just I got I got a little overzealous with Pomaris uh, back when he was riding high in the AZL nice and before we move on to the players you might be too high on those you might be too low on I just want to ask you about Pavin Smith because that's the other like semi big name I guess Bobby Bradley's down there too barely holding on uh, 397. But Pavin Smith, pretty good hit tool, but you just don't think the power is ever going to come along? Well, I'm worried about the power and I'm worried about the opportunity with him because the Diamondbacks, like they seem to just have three or four of these guys hanging around where they could be DHs, they could be first basemen, they could end up kind of platooning some of them. Um, Seth Beer is a guy that was ranked quite a bit higher than Smith. Obviously, they have Christian Walker. Um, just a little concerned about Pavin Smith finding a place to play every day. And if he if he hits for notable power, that'll probably work itself out. But he's kind of a tweener. Like I, I know he's tried some left field. Uh, defensive home's kind of uncertain. He might he might be able to just play left field first base dh that type of thing but uh just not 
not super confident in the bat being good enough for him to handle those positions. Nice. Well, as you've done in every one of these ranking dilemma series, you've been kind enough at the end of the list to point out some names you may be too high on, maybe too low on. Full transparency to the reader, you know, looking behind your process and offering an honest assessment of, you know, I uh, this this ranking could hurt me uh, one way or another. And Rainer Santana is on this list of hitters you may be too low on. It really comes back to that catcher thing, right? It's just these guys take a long time to develop, and there's already some pretty obvious flaws in his hit tool. Well, there's the one sort of obvious flaw in that he had a 27% strikeout rate, but he's still 17. Like he doesn't turn 18 until August. So he was one of the, he was doing that as like a 16 and 17 year old in the Dominican summer league. So he was one of the youngest guys out there still hit 10 homers and walked 37 times in 48 games. So that's really prodigious, uh, p- production for a player in any position in the DSL. So it's it's tempting to really kind of fall in love with, with his potential, just given the fact that he's getting to that much power this early on in his career. Uh, you need to obviously hit for a ton of power to be a, a interesting fantasy catcher in the majority of cases. So that's, that's step one. But um, yeah, just the fact that he's, you know, probably five, six years away from the majors and there's that there's that little bit of risk with with the swing and miss is enough to keep him down here. But he's a guy that if he can cut down on the strikeouts and keep producing, the next time we see him playing in official games, he could he could shoot up the list. Yeah, that's really valuable info because if you didn't have that and you just looked at the list, you know, probably not the guy you'd even consider in fantasy. But maybe if you're in a dynasty league and you're in the middle of a long rebuild. Maybe you do want to take a shot on a guy like that who may be down the list because he's so far off, but he does possess some upside. Kind of on the other side of the coin from Rainer Santana, at least in terms of the K rate, is Otto Lopez. Strikeout rate's really elite, as you note here. Uh, But you're a little skeptical that he'll be able to put it all together, right, with Otto Lopez? Well, he's he's the type of guy that I think is – I sometimes overrate and other people sometimes underrate. And I, the reason he gets underrated, I think is because the power is clearly not really there right now. Um, but everything else is there. And, you know, I, it's sometimes when the, when a guy like this gets to double a triple a, uh, they've added, you know, 10, 15 more pounds of muscle at that point. Uh, they're just more kind of comfortable. They can start tapping into 15 homer power, 20 homer power. If Lopez is able to do that eventually, I think he will hit enough and provide enough value with his glove that he could be a guy who kind of plays a little bit of everywhere, but primarily second base. But that that fact that he can't really play shortstop is what's going to put the pressure on him to develop that power. Uh, the hit tools there, the speeds there. Um, the approach is there. So there's there's a lot of stuff I like with Lopez. So I could, I could see him breaking out in a year or two. Nice. And Taylor Jones in the Astros organization, you mentioned some very good things about what he can do and just the situation, given that he was protected protected from the Rule 5 draft. Yuli Gurriel, a free agent after this season. Jordan Alvarez, maybe not being a everyday first baseman. 
Uh, Jones pretty good at AAA last year, but why do you think he uh, doesn't deserve to be any higher than 393? Uh, because there's just, you know, he's 26 years old and he's he bats right-handed, so there's a lot of promising indicators, but, you know, as soon as he struggles at all, really, uh, against big league pitching, then he's just kind of, the the stock is is down to pretty much zero with him and there's still like i I mentioned there's avenues for him to become a a prominent guy for them with guriel probably leaving but they still i mean abraham toro is still there so you know i think toro would get a look as an everyday guy probably before jones and maybe the fact that jones bats right-handed always just kind of limits him to a a part-time role but I think he's the best defensive first baseman in the organization and like a lot of teams I think would have left him unprotected I mean you typically don't see teams rush to protect a 26 year old first baseman who's never played in the majors but the fact that they did that and the fact that he was as productive as he was last year at triple a you know, I think that we could see this this Astros roster get a, a mini makeover in the coming months, like coming like eighteen to twenty four months. We might see, you know, we might see Guriel move on. We might see them find a way to move on from Carlos Correa, uh, stuff like that. So maybe if they they do enough uh, kind of roster maneuvering, uh, things could open up for Jones, and I think there's a chance that he could be a guy that's never a top 10 first baseman, but he could be a top 20 first baseman at times. Maybe the Astros will be in on a guy by the name of Roberto Ramos after this year. I don't know. <laughs> Ramos unprotected and unpicked in the rule five draft, but they did protect Jones, the Astros. I just, I just he's on the IL right now, but I, I do feel like Roberto Ramos deserves another chance. deserves a chance. He never got one in the big leagues with the Rockies. I would love to see what he could do. That power is just off the charts. But on the pitching side, some guys you may be too low on, James. David Peterson, Cole Sands. Again, this is kind of a a range for pitchers where a lot is, um, you know, these guys are very volatile. They could could shoot up or they could be into the abyss, off the list entirely and never really to be mentioned again. But – David Peterson, Cole Sands, two of the guys who the volatility could swing in a, in a good direction. Yeah, Peterson's a really tough rank for me because I, I believe in him. I, I want to make it clear that I think he's going to be a big league starter and a, a capable one. It's probably more of like a back-end starter type of profile, but you know he's good at a lot of stuff. He He had a respectable K rate, respectable walk rate. He's always had ground ball rates over 50%. Uh, The low 90s fastball uh, sometimes even dips into the 80s. That's been a knock on him. And, you know, he doesn't get a ton of whiffs off of that pitch. It's it's a sinker. But the slider, I mean, he's, he's struck out more guys than I think a lot of people expected him to, especially last year at double A. And the slider is a swing and miss pitch. And with that ground ball rate and with his command, I, I mean, he's definitely got the body to handle a starter's workload. 
you know, maybe there's a chance that it just all kind of adds up to a guy who ends up overperforming the scouting report. And he's just, the, the strikeouts never really wow you. Maybe he's just kind of a guy that strikes out 150 guys a year, 140 guys a year. But I think the ratios could end up being solid. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a couple of years where he had an ERA under four and a whip under one three and was taking the ball every fifth day. And that could happen as early as 2021. So, not a really, really high ceiling, but at a certain point, a guy that has as few flaws as he does uh, makes sense, especially if you're closer to contending than rebuilding. Nice. And I do want to spend a little bit of time on the draft. So, uh, among the players you may be too high on, can you give us some names and tell us why you think you know you, you may be looking at them a little bit too favorably? Um, yeah, I'll just I'll mention uh, Gabriel Rodriguez really quick, and he's uh, obviously was the the crown jewel of the Indians' 2018 July two international signing class. And before anyone from that class debuted, Rodriguez was right up there with guys like Aurelvis Martinez and Noelvi Marte. I, I've always liked Marte more, but I could have gone either way on Mar- on uh, Aurelvis Martinez versus Gabriel Rodriguez. Uh, but not every top J2 guy pans out. Even I mean, sometimes it seems like they do, but obviously – in, in every class, there's at least one guy that was like top five or top six who kind of flops. And Rodriguez was that guy from last year's class. I mean, he didn't flop. Like, he didn't really embarrass himself. But in my experience, those guys typically, the guys that are going to work out typically have success in their debut year. I mean, you're still facing um, pretty mediocre pitching at, at that point. So you should be able to do some damage. And the, the strikeouts were too high. His body's kind of trending in the wrong direction to where you don't expect speed to be a part of his game. So I think Gabriel Rodriguez is kind of looking like uh, the bust, I guess, from the elite guys from 2018. And then Andrew Lara, uh, it's really easy to fall in love with his stuff. I mean, at, at age 16, he already has an MLB starters build. He's got a plus fastball, flashes a plus slider. But the more I watched him this offseason, the more I just kind of uh, got skittish on the body. 6'4", 217 pounds, just turned 17 a few months ago. So it's I'm getting kind of like Luis Gohara vibes uh, just in terms of how the, the size might prohibit for him from holding up um, as he gets deeper into his pro career. So I could see there being a time where Andre Lara is – uh, really exciting. He, he's dominating lower level hitters as like an 18 year old, 19 year old. Um, so may, maybe there's a case for just holding on to him and then trying to trade him in a year or two, but there's no guarantee that he has success right away. And I, I just worry about where he's going to be physically in five or six years. Nice. Well, check out the final installment of Ranking Dilemmas. Really great stuff throughout this whole quarantine period, James. We appreciate your hard work. On that and on the draft, we uh, talked about how we did a show post-night one. You and the crew were back in night two doing hard work and notes for every single player taken. So if you want a full recap of the draft, go back and check out those player notes from last week. Any general thoughts on what we saw and on at night two? 
Uh, I mean, it was very interesting. Everyone, every team's kind of plan uh, got crystallized. There were, you know, obviously the, the Orioles draft was very interesting from top to bottom. Um, they, they, to me, kind of went with a quantity over quality approach, but they took enough guys that, you know, maybe if, if two or three of them hit, then that'll end up working out for them. Um, uh, the, the Red Sox taking Blaze Jordan was uh, probably like the biggest Twitter moment of day two of the draft because he's one of the most famous players in the draft going back to when he was like 15. And there's a lot of upside to dream on there. So he immediately becomes one of the Red Sox most exciting prospects. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty interesting kind of throughout. I thought that the Indians probably had the best draft. I thought the Rangers probably had the worst draft. Um, I thought the Yankees got a steal on day one with, with Austin Wells and the Blue Jays obviously got a steal on day one with Austin Martin. Um, I mean, there's any number of ways we could go here. Nice. I was going to ask you about the Rangers having the worst draft because, and we, we talked a little bit about that on Farm Friday last week, but it seemed like they got a Logan Forsyth type early and they just didn't really take any shots later on. Like they just didn't, really gamble on any upside it seemed like is that a correct uh, evaluation uh yeah i mean I, I don't think they would say that's a correct evaluation but well, no <laughs> it it is starting to seem like they just didn't want to spend much money <laughs> and uh you know that evan carter pick in round two was was probably just a punt pick and they got some guys, they got some pitchers who I'm sure they think have, uh, have some upside, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just do not like the way that they drafted this year. I didn't really like the way they drafted last year either. Uh, they're, they're kind of skewing too far towards quote unquote safe college hitters and, yeah, I mean it's not not a great draft for the Rangers from a talent standpoint. I just think it's it's tough to argue that they didn't do the worst job of the thirty teams. A little bit of a, bit of a sidebar here, but I was noticed that we don't have a donut on Miguel Sano, and I was looking into if we should get one. And I, I don't want to talk too much about this because the details, you know, still up in the air. We don't know much, but this Miguel Sano story that's developing is pretty insane. We will keep track on on that but um yeah just wanted to mention that uh trying to get to the bottom of this seems like they're conflicting uh, at least you know from miguel sano's side a conflicting account of what happened so we'll continue to keep track of that and uh, not bite on anything that's not uh, confirmed but this is uh definitely a story to track Anyway, James, back to the draft. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles, we talked about how they kind of maybe overthought that first-round pick and maybe their plan didn't come together, but did you think they made up some ground on day two? Uh, sorry, can you – Oh, the uh, Orioles? Which, the Orioles. Um, you know, it just – they didn't take guys that I was that high on. That doesn't mean that those guys won't pan out. Um, like Kobe Mayo has a lot of upside if he hits for average 
and he, I mean, he only he doesn't even have to hit for a super high average. He just can become like a 250 big league hitter. He'll probably get on base at a high enough clip and hit for enough power to be an everyday player towards the bottom of the defensive spectrum, whether that's third base or right field. Um, he's definitely got the arm for either. Anthony Servideo. I actually like Servideo probably more than Jordan Westberg, who they took on day one. Both are SEC shortstops. Servideo is the better runner and the one who I think made the most, uh, or at least you could kind of believe a bit more in a breakout from him in 2020. To me, I think more than you could believe in one from Westberg. Hudson Haskin uh, was the only other guy besides Heston Kierstead to get ranked on my top 400, so I like that pick. He's got plus speed, and he's he's always hit a bunch. But like to me, one of the one of the best picks of the entire draft was the Angels taking David Calabrese and getting him for slot. Like I, I saw that he signed for um, seven hundred forty-four grand in the third round. He's a center fielder with plus double plus speed. I think he's got a good bat. I think he's going to hit for average, hit for a little bit of power. And just the fact that like a guy like David Calabrese being available for half the price of Kobe Mayo, like it's it's hard for me to get excited about getting an overslot Kobe Mayo in the fourth round when any team could have taken Calabrese for slot in the third round. Like I think the Angels just nailed that one. So that at every at every turn the Orioles were taking someone who I probably wouldn't have taken. That doesn't mean they're taking bad players though. That like everyone they took, you can make a case as a top one hundred prospect in this in this class. So they got talent. They just didn't necessarily take the guys I would have taken with any of those picks. And the Boston Red Sox on day one took Nicky York. That was definitely a surprise at the time, and we were kind of holding holding back judgment to see what else they did. What did you think about the rest of the Red Sox draft? Well, you know, we when we're looking at the Red Sox draft, you basically have to look at it like Blaze Jordan was the first rounder and Nick York was the third rounder. They just kind of took them in, in the order they did because they were worried about Nick York not being there in the third round and they knew they had enough money to buy Blaze Jordan down to their pick in the third round. So, you know, Blaze Jordan... Uh, it's a big swing like for the Red Sox to take him as basically the, the crown jewel of their draft class because he has, like I said, a, a ton of upside, could be a middle of the order, like 40 homer type of guy. Like He's, he's just got a really special bat, but he's uh, still 17. He's a high school hitter. He is a right-handed high school hitter who is going to be at best a third baseman could slide down to first base. So there's just going to be a ton of pressure on him to, to do enough damage with the bat to make that pick pan out. And then Nick York, I mean, if we just think about him as a third rounder, that's pretty solid. I mean, he's he's still a prep second baseman, so not a high probability type of player to draft. But, uh, you know, I think there's a chance he could hit his way to the majors. So um, it... It was a confusing draft, but it was a, you know, they took their guys, and if Blaze Jordan reaches his ceiling, then this will look like a really smart draft by the Red Sox, but it all kind of hinges on him. 
Very nice. Well, again, great stuff covering the draft, man. Uh, sure, we'll talk a little bit more draft tomorrow on Farm Friday, but uh, we got to wrap things up on this show pretty quickly. Unless there's anything else prospect related you wanted to mention. Um. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff I've done over the past couple of years have been suggestions from subscribers, whether it be. Uh, changes to the top 400 or just ideas for um, ideas for articles and stuff like that. Uh, if anyone has, you know, if I, I'm, I'm tentatively working on a pretty in-depth team-by-team uh, team draft breakdown that I would probably take my time on and wait until all the bonuses were finalized before releasing that. Uh, I've thought about doing team by team farm system overview articles. Uh, but if anyone just has any thing they really want, like in terms of an article series or just content, they really want something they think would be a, a good, good idea for an article. Uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter or in the comment section of the article, because um, I'm probably going to have some time to do something else, but I'm just not sure what people want to see the most. If they want to see more, more uh, coverage on this draft or, other stuff, uh, just let me know. Yeah, we're open to suggestions here at Rotowire. In the meantime, you know, I've been keeping myself busy with KBO, and I know you're going to be doing a little NPB action. Um, but yeah, definitely open to suggestions on what to write about, major league content ideas for sure. The We launched our Nippin Pro Baseball content at Rotowire. I don't know exactly. You know what all we have right now, but I know we're going to have an optimizer, and just cool to see you know that there is some baseball to sink your teeth into as we await uh, Major League Baseball. But yeah, Nippon Pro, kind of a cool league. I'm a, I'm a big carp guy, James, as you probably could guess. Uh, back to the hip hop draft. It's been a few weeks since we've done this. I wasn't really feeling it uh, for a few weeks, and. Again, I'm I'm kind of in the at the point right now with baseball where I'm just numb to things. But I want to get get back to the hip hop draft this week. I don't remember who's up though, James. Do you remember? Yes, I can tell you that I am up. Nice. So we're wrapping um, things up. Actually, we're filling out our rosters here. Yeah, we are. Uh, Only have what like three? Or oh four? no, no, you're up. You're up. Okay. Never mind. Well, the guy I was going to take would have still been been there, even if you were up first this week. I'm going to go ahead and fill this last West Coast spot, James, with a guy named Mac Dre. I know you don't know a ton about Mac Dre, but I want to get you on to him eventually. Uh, he's got a huge discography. He is uh, deceased now. May Mac Dre rest in peace. Uh, but he was really... Really talented, really underrated. Never signed a big uh, major label deal, and that's probably why you never heard of him. Uh, a lot of you who haven't, and yeah, I respect that. He was always independent, and he, I think he made more money that way and never got tied down to a label and had to kind of sell out, you know, how we see the, the little flips of the world uh, get signed. And, you know, I don't hold it against them. I would, too. In a heartbeat, <laughs> I'd sell out. Um but these guys always kind of, you know, make that really commercialized, uh, watered down rap. And Mac Dre never, 
never got to that point. So released a ton of independent albums, a lot of collaborations. Um, Mac Dre, definitely worth checking out. He kind of had two different eras of his career before he went to, to prison for a little bit. And when he came out, he kind of reinvented himself and was he was really funny in that that second wave. But uh, some of his early stuff was really, really good. And definitely check out, you know, Stupid Doo-Doo Dumb, Rapper Gone Bad, a couple of my favorite early albums. The song I want to pick, though, is called Song For You. Song, the number four, and then the letter U. That was not off any of his solo albums, but that was off a Cutthroat Committee a collaboration album with Doobie, one of my favorite uh, West Coast guys in that era. Doobie and I think PSD, maybe. I forget who the other member of that group was. But Song For You still is one of my favorite beats. And Mac Dre's verse, he only has one verse in that song, but he's got the first verse, and it's it's a classic. So check out Song For You if you want a place to start with Mac Dre. Who you awesome. Taking, James? I am going to take Black Thought uh, from The Roots. I had someone hit me up on Twitter asking or saying, like, Black Thoughts lasted way too long. I said, yeah, I know, but I knew Clay wasn't going to take him, so I've been saving him. He's going to fill my last uh, lyricist spot. Um, I I got really into The Roots uh, back, like, early, early 2000s. Um, Phrenology, Tipping Point, uh, you know, Do You Want More? I think is is a classic album from from nineteen ninety five. They've, they've got a lot of a lot of good stuff in their discography and Black Thoughts, uh, definitely the the top uh, lyricist in the roots. Um, I will take Thought at Work as my song off of Phrenology for him. Um, really good lyricist. Uh, really good content in his lyrics and um, just a, a lot of staying power for the roots dating back to mid 2000 or mid mid 1990s. And they've uh, still been putting out uh, pretty decent stuff. I mean, I don't think they're in the, in their peak anymore necessarily, but um, pretty impressive run for them. That's a good pick. I'll admit that I have not been the biggest roots guy, not because I didn't like their stuff, just because I'd never, it gave him enough spin. I remember one one album that came out, maybe like two thousand eight to ten range. It was the cover where it was like I think it was Black Thought, and then he it was kind of like a yellowish orange tint on the cover. I don't know what. what yeah, that tipping point. Yep. Is that tipping point? Okay. I remember listening to that quite a bit, but I think that was the only Roots album I really listened to a lot. That was good for sure, but I need to get back. Uh, to the the drawing board a bit and give them give them more spin. This is a useful exercise for me as well. You know, I caught the Kendrick Lamar heat, and I will get around to giving him more uh, more spin in the, in the near future. I also wanted to mention just real quick another Mac Dre song, "Life's a B." Uh, you can fill in the blank there. Uh, that's another good one. Also, to make room for Mac Dre, I had to pass on "Corrupt," and "Corrupt" was in the mix. I got to say. And I just want to mention On On Sight. I stumbled across that song recently. On On Sight is an all-time great. And you know the Space Boogie Smoke Odyssey made my bracket for the West Coast over the streets as a mother. Uh, yeah, so you and I are both big uh, Space Boogie Smoke Odyssey fans. Um, 
I'm surprised that Corrupt didn't get that final spot, but you know, it's it's your it's your squad, and I'm a Macrae Mac 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 diehard. I know a lot of people don't know him, but I think if you give him some time, I had a Macrae shirt in high school. Uh, still have some pics wearing that. <laughs> I got really into Macrae, and I still he still holds up. He's got some good stuff with Andre Nicotina. I don't know if, if you listen to much Nicotina, but uh, that era that. The West Coast uh, movement in that time was very unique and very cool. Uh, you know, I like Keek the Sneak, too. Andy Forty. <laughs> anyway, James, good stuff. Always fun talking with you, man. Looking forward to doing this again tomorrow, talking on uh, Sirius XM. And uh, you, got a, you got a vacation coming up pretty soon? Um, yeah, I'm going to take a couple days off uh, towards the end of next week um, just to kind of recharge batteries a little yeah. bit um, well deserved seems like it's as good a time as any uh given yeah. where things are to take, take a little time off but yeah you deserve some um, time off man uh but that, that will i think we'll still be back with our normal shows next week but yep uh definitely enjoy some time away and look forward to talking with you soon hope you'll join us next week on the rotowire prospect podcast
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.